you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano and Graham Barfield. Welcome back, Graham. Did you uh, have a good week off? Yeah, it was a good week. Nice. That's a week. You, uh, you had a little bit of time off, too. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, this is the uh, first time. <laughs> That's right. First time we've he, been he's back getting, all He's getting time days. off from sleep right the fir- now. The yeah. first time we've all, we've all been back together as a group since then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're learning to sleep. Um, you know, it, uh, or have it's a process. No, yeah, it's a process, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's good. It definitely things are good. Is it still? Is it still like waking up in the middle of the night and? Yeah. Oh man. Like I, I have learned what three o'clock in the morning looks like so well. <laughs> uh, I can tell you that there's nothing on TV. Um, there's a lot of infomercials. So uh, yeah, I think I found three new juicers. Hey. <laughs> All sorts of stuff like that. So, yeah, it's good. Otherwise, it is, it's very good. I uh, got lots to talk about today. We will finish up our rookies to watch with some quarterbacks and some tight ends. Uh, and I'm going to tell you guys out there now, like, at least for the next six weeks, this is a Game of Thrones stand podcast. So we are going to wrap up the show with a little bit of recap of uh, episode one. Uh, so I will, we will give you a heads up in case you haven't watched it yet, which where have you been? So you won't miss any. So we won't have any spoilers or if watch you it just, three times already. Right. So if you don't want spoilers, we will give you a heads up before we start talking about it. Also, you know, if you're just not a Game of Thrones person, we'll put it at the end so you can, you know, listen to the podcast and then you can go on and do whatever else. Do you see people you like on social media, like they'll put together these like little things on Facebook, like all proud that they don't watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, no one cares. Like, you're missing out. No one cares. The worst type of person on social media is one that bashes what other people genuinely right. love. It's just I like, know, okay, just let, great. Whatever, let people dude. enjoy things. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Just let people enjoy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got plenty of news to talk about, but first before we do that, let's go behind the glass as always and talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, what's up? I have something to admit, uh, hand up. I really thought for a hot minute that Russell Wilson was not going to be a Seattle Seahawk and almost become a New York football giant. And yes, Fabs, I know the Cowboys fan, you could laugh at me, but I actually did think that it almost would happen. And then I wake up and you see like that really strange video. video, Uh, So not only were my dreams crushed, I was kind of just also grossed out. (laughs) Did you you also see that uh, Francesa is, is on a massive like losing streak? Like he said, Virginia couldn't win the national championship. He had, Tiger as uh, fairness, Francesca is always on a master. Nail, <laughs> yeah, nail chance to win the Masters, and then he said the Seahawks are trying to dump Russell Wilson. He, and he, he signed right up. He yeah. knows that, and then he just signed the biggest deal. No, no, it's like the Costanza. Yeah. It's everything. It's like just the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I love I, Francesca too, but I mean, it's funny. I will say, I did have a moment where I'm like, could he possibly not be a Seahawk? Okay, I, so I'm not I, alone. I, and I just, I just, I mean, part of me actually wondered whether or not the Seahawks are going to call his bluff, right? Like if, you know, he said, this is the deadline, and if we don't do it, I'm never going to negotiate it. Part of me was like, what happens if they don't? But I guess we'll never, I guess we'll never find out now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll never know. There you go. So uh, there's a whole lot of other stuff to talk about, so uh, let's do some news. Uh, 
right, we will uh, start in the NFC West. Todd Gurley, according to Sean McVay, says he's feeling pretty good. And McVay, this was on the uh, the Rich Eisen show recently, says that Gurley will remain the focal point of the offense. In fact, uh, let's take a listen to what Sean McVay had to say. You can expect Todd to be the focal point of our offense again as we move forward. He's feeling good. He's in a good place. Um, you know, I just think the natural ebbs and flows when he played 19 games, and I know he missed a couple with the amount of work that he got. You know, it just worked out that way at the end of the year. But he got a very similar workload in 17. And, you know, the anticipation for us is he's in a good place. He's feeling good. And, and he's going to continue to be a central part of our offense, you know, going into the 19th season. And I don't see that changing. Okay, so – Listening to him, right, and having heard him talk all offseason long about Todd Gurley and, and, you know, I just feel like I'll just say it. Do we believe do we believe Sean McVay? I feel like the story has been shifting since the Super Bowl. And I'm going to say that I'm not 100 percent confident in what he's saying right now. So so I have a mutual friend um, with Todd Gurley, and that mutual friend has told me on more than one occasion that Todd is fine and that he is going to be 100 percent for the start of next season. And any fantasy person who lets too many players get drafted ahead of him is a fool. So I mean, this is like look, one of Todd's best friends. Uh, so take that for what you will. I moved Gurley up to three. I had him at five. I moved him I'm up to three. Still pretty, pretty freaking worried. To I be mean, honest with you. <laughs> I still think you know. I've seen people. I've seen you know some some fantasy folks say that that they're not going to touch him in the first round. I still think that's. I still think that's a little ludicrous. That's obscene. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. I I I still had him somewhere around four or five. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see him dropping out of the first round. I mean, no. A couple no. couple weeks ago, or a couple now a couple months ago. Jeez, uh, we were just talking about Gurley having arthritis in his knee. I mean. Mm-hmm. That doesn't go away. Right. <laughs> I mean, look, I, he's got over 700 touches over the last two seasons, and he has arthritis in his knee, and he's only 26 years old. That doesn't really sound too great long-term, but, I mean, for one year, if we can get one more year where he gets 280 to 330 touches, like, he's say go off, Say the Rams draft Damian Harris, or they draft um, Daryl Henderson. How much? How much would that curb your enthusiasm on Gurley? I don't know, because will they draft a running back, though? See, that's the thing. I, don't think I mean, they, they need a running back, though. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I have a feeling they're going to go back to the Malcolm Brown yeah, well. They'll, they'll go to Malcolm Brown. They it, got John, the John, John Kelly, Kelly well. I mean, John, Ooh, Kelly, John Kelly's a good running back. I love John Kelly coming out. Uh, he had a couple good preseason runs, but he did not do too well on his limited <laughs> NFL carries last year. I don't know, man. If the Rams don't draft the running I, back or don't add somebody to that backfield, that that makes me even more confident in Gurley. Yeah. That that maybe that'll be the the stepping stone then because if they don't draft a running back with any additional capital, mm-hmm. um obviously they didn't bring back CJ Anderson. It yep. probably does bode well for Gurley's health at least just this year. Mm-hmm. Um but I still I'm still pretty concerned about his knee. So the other part of that though is this, I won't say the last year that, that you can lean on him as just a full-on workhorse, but is this maybe the last year where we are talking about him, you know, in a top three draft position? I mean, if, if he gets the kind of workload he's got in the last few years, there is that cliff that we all worry about. Yeah, I mean, if he comes out and has another big season, though, how far can he fall? It's not like he's 29, yep. 30. He's still a young dude. Yeah, but he's also a guy who had you know knee issues in college. He's had oh, sure, some sort sure. of issues here in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, look, I, I, I'm sure if he has another big year, we'll be here a year from now, and we'll be talking about Todd Gurley back in the top three again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, us fantasy folk tend I mean, to worry. 
Yes, I, just, I, I just, I just, because we're normal people, we have no idea what it's like to carry the ball 17 times in an NFL game for four years in a row. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, especially coming off of a pretty major injury coming yep. out of college and now he has arthritis. Like we just, we're normal people. We have no idea. I can blame when my elbow gets a little bit sore. I, mean, <laughs> right. I can't imagine what it'd be like to run in the NFL with arthritis in my knee. But I, so, so, uh, I have had like for a month, my elbow has been killing me, right? Mm. And so I went to Neil Gadadra, our pal. Oh, yeah, Dr. And Neil. Um, basically said, I, I have tennis elbow. I've never played tennis in my life, but I have tennis elbow. <laughs> and he shot me up with cortisone. Dude, that's a magic elixir right there, man. Because now <laughs> I'm going to go out and play golf tomorrow morning. I'm feeling good. Yeah, I was uh, watching the Varsity Blues last night. <laughs> <laughs> and watching Lance Harbor get like his knee shot up with stuff, you know, like uh, I would yeah. imagine. I imagine what they're giving in the NFL. Is they probably got a little, stuff. Yeah, they got probably, stuff. Probably a little stronger than what they got at West Canaan High. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've never had a cortisone shot, but I would imagine it's probably even stronger than that. Oh, it, it, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, other news about the Rams that seems a little bit more cut and dry. McVeigh says the goal is to have Cooper Cup ready for Week One. Obviously, had the knee injury that cut his year short uh, last season. The only thing I look at with Cooper Cup, Graham, is that I think he will be the reason that I think Robert Woods is overdrafted this year. I think a lot of people will look at Woods' numbers last year, sort of forget what Cup means to that offense. And Woods, for I think he's a good player. I just think he's going to get overdrafted this year. Agreed. In in Cooper Cup's, I think, uh, five full, six full games last year, he had at least five catches and or 60 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he was on pace for over 1,000 yards and double-digit touchdowns. I mean, he was legitimately one of the most Mm -hmm. consistent fantasy receivers last year, and I guess now we just have to hope that he's back to like 90% of his former self coming off the ACL. What's your order of Rams wide receivers? Because I have Woods, Cup, and then Cooks. Yes. Mm, Yeah. Unless (laughs) Cup has some sort of setback, in which case I would alter it. Then you rearrange it. But then that comes down to value, and I think Woods will end up going in that fifth, sixth range, and then we'll get the injury discount off Cup. I know you're a big Cup fan. I'm a big year. Cup fan. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I think objectively thinking about it, yes, I think Woods is probably going to be the first guy off the board, yep. understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, again, I just think people are going to reach for him based on what happened last year and forget that, you know, Cooper's going to eat into his, his, his targets a little that, bit. That Bobby Woods eighth, eighth to ninth round value, that was... Oh, it was so great. Nice. That was great. That's also <laughs> gone. <laughs> Those yeah, days, that is gone. Those days are over. Yep. yep. Uh, More wide receiver news. Demarius Thomas has landed in New England. Uh, Fab, the last time we saw Demarius, it wasn't particularly great. A guy who's certainly on the downside of his career. The upside here, he's familiar with Josh McDaniels. Knows the offense. uh, That's the upside. And the Patriots desperately need help at wide receiver. But when is he going to be available to get out there? I mean, he's coming off of a, a very serious ailment and, uh, an ailment that I believe could keep him on the PUP list to start the season. So I don't even know that Demarius Thomas is a draftable fantasy asset at this point. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm just not sure that he is necessarily. But the thing about it is, you know, the Patriots are still sort of, I don't know, Patriots wide receivers, right? I mean, there's Julian Edelman, and then there's kind of, what, throw a dart and try to figure out who the next yeah, guy I mean, is. you got Dorsett. I mean, they, they have uh, Maurice Harris. Yeah, he- he tore his Achilles in mid-December. I know. That's going to be a really quick turn. Right, I know. Like get back for training camp. I know. Yeah, like, so. I mean, he, he's almost guaranteed to end up on, on the pup, I right? would think so. So? So, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but he is in New England. He's working out there at least as much as he can be, learning the playbook, hanging out, uh, you know, eating uh, what, uh, avocado milkshakes or whatever, <laughs> ice cream with Tom Brady, all that stuff. Uh, who knew that Tom Brady was so funny? 
<laughs> his Twitter or least, account is actually or, like pretty or, entertaining. Or whomever, social, his social yeah, media people exactly. funny. Or whomever is running Whatever his it is. media account. Yeah, I mean, Tom, following him. Tom has probably fired off a few of those tweets. I would think so. Maybe. I would think yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Henry, about his knees, says, quote, I'm pretty much full go. Good. I got nothing else to say, but that's good news, right? Yeah. That's, that's all I, that's all I got to say about that. He's in my top five um, at tight end. So I guess the quote, yeah, so top five, certainly. Um, I mean, not before, what, round nine, eight, maybe? I, I'd say that's probably the ballpark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that's probably the ballpark. Yeah, there's just a huge cliff after the top four. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Uh, by the way, congratulations to George Kittle, who got married recently. He did. Yeah, he just uh, threw it up on Instagram. So uh, congratulations, man. Good for him. Another, another catch for George Kittle. Just, mm-hmm. just keep making catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson Wentz says his back is not fully healed, says not it's what I wanted to getting hear. there. Right. I mean, so, okay, so Graham, we've been through a couple years he has yet to play a full season when he's on the field and healthy we know how good he can be in a in a deep quarterback situation we know how deep the position is I mean where are you taking a chance on him is he a, you know do, do you draft him kind of double up and hope that he's ready or what, what would you do with him Wentz was on pace for another 30 touchdowns last season um, but we now have another back problem that compounds a previous one, a separate one that he had at North Dakota State, he had a back issue and obviously towards ACL. I mean, I, I want to believe that this has just been a bunch of hard luck injuries and everything's fine. But I mean, the back problems are the long term concerns. Uh, that being said, I mean, I mean, Carson Wentz running this offense that's been retooled and revamped and is already better again mm-hmm. somehow this offseason. Um, it's definitely it's definitely a situation I'm going to be monitoring all summer and I'm still slotting Winston is a QB one, the back, like yep. at the back end of the top yep. 10, mm-hmm. top 12. But mm-hmm. yeah, for now, we just have to kind of keep our fingers crossed because we don't have the Nick, Nick Foles. Yeah. The and Nick you also, Foles binky to fall back. <laughs> you also have uh, some of the draft experts out there having the Eagles take a wide receiver in the draft too. So you had another weapon potentially there. Ooh. <laughs> just, get, just get healthy, Carson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. We just just need to keep him healthy, and then I think everything flows from there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of staying healthy, Marcus Mariota's putting on some weight, saying he wants to stay healthy for a full year. I don't. Is that how you stay healthy for a full year? You put on ten pounds. I mean, I guess when you when you run and you take the the beating mm-hmm. that he takes, I guess that's the the, the plan. Yeah. Um, my question is, does this make the Titans' offense any more dynamic and exciting? Just give the ball to Derrick Henry. That's feel, all I want. I feel like I unfairly slander the Titans offense. I feel like it's better than I give it credit for, but just the idea of it just bores me. <laughs> well, they've been they've been a boring <laughs> offense for the past five or six years, and last year we kind of expected that not to happen, and everyone died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's that's the point. So I, you know, I hope for the best. I hope that something happens down there in Tennessee. Just the idea of the Titans offense, it just it just bores me. Um, Panthers have added a new wide receiver. They get Chris Hogan, who was underwhelming uh, in New England. Uh, he was quietly one of the bigger busts because everyone was on board with him. Oh, we thought for sure. Unreal. And then, ugh, um, no good. So in Carolina, is he, does he come back to being productive? I mean, to me, I'm drafting yeah. DJ Moore. I'm drafting Curtis Samuel. And that's probably about it at the I don't wide even, receiver position in Carolina. I mean, honestly, as many snaps as Hogan played last year and as little of a difference that he made on those snaps, <laughs> I don't think it, I, I just mm. want to keep drafting Samuel and mm-hmm. more. Yeah, I, that's kind of how I felt about it. Uh, finally, Ty Montgomery signs with the Jets. Uh, do anything for anybody? Nope. 
All right. I mean, <laughs> does he become the primary handcuff ahead of Elijah Maguire for Le'Veon Bell? I don't know about that. That's about all the value he'll have. Yeah. He's got a three down back who they, can catch 80 balls ahead of him on the depth chart. Right. And they had to replace kind of the passing down back because below Powell is his career is probably over. He yes. hurt his neck yes. at the end of last year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to get some depth there. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, Ty Montgomery, it's it's like what I say about, about Duke Johnson, right? You know, decent running back. Browns have better running backs. Decent receiver. Browns have better receivers. Ty Montgomery sort of that same situation with the Jets, except <laughs> I don't even know point. that he's as good as Duke Johnson. That's so. a great point. What do you think of the Jets, New Jerseys? Ugh. Okay, Marcus doesn't like them. Not a fan. <laughs> I, I liked them before. This is funny. I liked them before, or after, like more before they leaked. Mm-hmm. Before they leaked, when we kind of got the crappy image, I was like, oh, these aren't that bad. Then we get the full images, and I'm like, yeah, not a fan. See, I, I like the helmets. The How do you feel about the helmets? I like the color. Yeah. Better. I don't know. I like the helmets, but the, the weird, like, green stripe over the middle of the black, like the all black, it's just, mm-hmm. they're just, they're like, they're like they're like a team you see in a movie, right? Like the team that doesn't get the, yeah yeah a movie that doesn't get the the licensing rights for actual NFL logos, you know? Like they're playing the New York Airplanes, you know? It's like oh, okay. Well, they were comparing them to <laughs> what CFL team, like the Rough Riders or somebody yeah. like that. I don't remember. I heard who it the was. I, I saw kind of look like CFL. I saw comparisons comparisons to Marshall University. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. So I don't know. There you go. That's pretty much everything you need to know. <laughs> That was the news. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. You easy to understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as the 100 most popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of NFL Fantasy Live a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at nflive.robinhood.com. All right, we are about a week away from the draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, It will start a week from tomorrow. So we've been going through the rookies to watch. Uh, we did some running backs. Well, you guys did running backs when I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fabs and I did wide receivers last week. So this week, figured we'd double up, do the quarterbacks and tight ends because, you know, the two positions uh, aren't necessarily super deep. But combined, we can you know, get something out of this. So I started the list with Kyler Murray. I mean, is there anywhere? I guess first off, does anybody believe he's not going to Arizona? Daniel Jeremiah seems to believe that that uh, that might not happen. Um, if you read his, uh, his latest mock draft, I still tend to believe that it will. And it's a very good landing spot because the coach has a whole ton of faith in him, believes that he could be maybe the next Russell Wilson. And if he does end up going to a team like the Cardinals, that's going to put him in a position to be the starter in week one. I've said it a million times. I've, I'll say it a million more times. Rookie quarterbacks who can run with the football, have success from a fantasy perspective. And I looked out, uh, all time, um, single season rookie 
rushing totals. Uh, and Robert Griffin III, 815 yards, was a really good fantasy quarterback as a rookie. Cam Newton, 706 yards, really good quarterback uh, in his rookie season from a fantasy standpoint. Lamar Jackson was third at 695. Vince Young came in at fifth. I mean, Russell Wilson at seventh. There are There are a lot of good quarterbacks out there. Um, I get it. It's a deep position, but when you get somebody this young, this athletic, who's more accurate than Lamar Jackson coming out of college, who can run with a football with the success of a Kyler Murray, this guy is probably going to be overdrafted in redrafts, but if he ends up with the Cardinals, that's a reason to get excited about him. You know, I just, I just I keep coming back to I just want Arizona to go out and also draft a wide receiver while they're at it. Well, you know, if, I, if there's they plenty him, of them to go after. That's the thing. So yeah. if you if you get Kyler Murray at number one and come back in the second or third round and get yourself a wide receiver because they've got to they've got to do something there. They've no, no doubt. I mean, you know, Larry Fitzgerald's not going to be there forever. Yeah, I like Christian Kirk quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I might end up higher on him than a lot of people. Um, hopefully, he's back healthy. But yeah, I don't know, man. I still, think the, I still think the most plausible outcome here is either they're going to take the Cardinals will take them at one, or the Raiders are going to use one of those move up. Yeah, they're going to mm-hmm. use those three first round picks and move up. Yep. If the if you fall or if the Raiders move up, this means no more Derek Carr in in, in Oakland, presumably. No, right? sir. Yeah. Uh, all right. I mean, so how would we feel? I guess Kyler Murray with Antonio Brown seems like a I dude seems pretty good, right? I mean, yeah. th- that would be a better situation than than Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, as, as much as I kind of have bagged on Gruden, I still have no clue what I, I, I'm invested in Cliff Kingsbury, but I have no clue what he's going to do either. So. <laughs> I think that's part of it is that the top of this draft has a lot of wild cards, right? Like we have no idea what Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury wants to do. Uh, Oakland, you've got you know the wild card of John Gruden. You've got Mike Mayock there, who's actually in a in a war room for the first time after being on TV for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um there's just so many unknowns right now. And this, the, I mean, this is one of the best defensive line classes we've seen in the last 10 years. I mean, there's literally like, I mean, you can make a case for six or seven. The first round is going to be very lot of uneventful defense. from a fantasy perspective. A lot of defense. Yeah, to be honest, the first round on, on Thursday, you can pretty much just take the date off. <laughs> like if, if you're just watching it for skill you, positions, you, you can pretty you much just take it off. You may or may not get you'll, one running back draft. You'll get, you'll get a quarterback. You'll, you'll have some you, quarterbacks. You, you may not get more than three wide receivers in the first round. Yeah. Ma- two tight ends, potentially. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a third, but as, I would say two. As much as I do love this receiver class, I mean, the, the more mocks and stuff that I've read of people that are actually connected, like it seems like it's only maybe one or two receivers. Right. That's round. it. So like guys like Hakeem Butler, you know, they're going to end up being second or third round picks. There's going to be some of those wide receivers well, out there. Well, now uh, it's it sounds like Dwayne Haskins is falling out of the first round, right? Like is the little bit of buzz that he had maybe February and, and March around the combine, it's kind of petered out. And now people are really pushing Drew Locke and Daniel Jones all of a sudden. They're both going to the draft. Haskins is staying home like Right. Who, well, DJ had the Giants taking, I think, uh, Daniel, Jones. Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones over Haskins. Daniel Jones to the Giants is kind of the, the, the new hotness right now. Mm-hmm. But so, I mean, since, since we brought it up, so let's, let's see with Dwayne Haskins, right? Like this is the guy that for months was considered the number two quarterback in this draft behind Kyler Murray. And it seemed as though he was ticketed for New York. Like he was going to hit the Giants yep. roster. Now, if that's not happening... I mean, where is there? Where is he a fit? I mean, this is a guy who is sort of your your classic big pocket passer arm guy. He's not super mobile. You know, he's got a lot of, as they say, arm talent, what have you. Um, 
I don't know where he fits necessarily in a league that it's hard to be a statue in the pocket and be successful now. Yeah, well, I mean, th- there's still plenty of teams that need a quarterback. Uh, the Broncos need yeah, a quarterback. I think the Broncos at that. The Redskins. The Broncos are in prime position to get one of these guys. How tall? I'm, I'm going to look up how tall <laughs> Dwayne Haskins is because that will determine uh, whether or not they have any interest in him. There in Denver, six three. Yeah, that's the cutoff. Yeah, so he might he might just make it. Yeah. You know, the you, Bengals oh. could be looking yes. to replace and Andy that, Dalton. Yeah. So I mean, but I get so, the feeling that Dwayne Haskins, there aren't, there may not be a spot for him where he comes in and maybe starts right away. You know, like I feel like with this group, you know, regardless of where Kyler Murray goes, he's going to start. Week he's week. going to start. Kyler is going to start. Yep. I don't know that Dwayne Haskins is necessarily, you know, Agreed. just locked into a starting spot wherever he goes, especially because the teams we keep linking him to have guys that at least for now they're comfortable with in a starting position, right? I mean, the Giants obviously are committed to Eli Manning for the short term. The, the <laughs> Sorry, Eddie. <laughs> Sorry, Eddie. The, the Bengals, you know, look, at some point, yeah, they're going to move on from Andy Dalton, but for now, He's their starting quarterback. Like all these teams, I mean, unless somehow the Raiders decide they really need this guy and they're going to move their car for him, which I don't, I don't see. Uh, I just don't know that Dwayne Haskins is a starter, uh, barring injury in in year yeah, one. No, and if, if you look at DJ's uh, mock draft, I mean, all but Murray at the quarterback position in terms of round one quarterbacks, they're going to be playing behind a veteran for a year or two. Miami's a super interesting wild card, I think, at 13. You know what? Miami, he could he could go in there and start in Miami. Because... No! Listen, Ryan? don't you know <laughs> that it is contractually obligated by any team that signs Ryan Fitzpatrick oh, no, he will that play. he needs to start? Oh, no, he will start. Ryan, no, no, Fitzpatrick did, did, will you, start. did you see the pictures yeah, of Fitzpatrick? He's been he, eating birthday cake. He blamed it on birthday cake. Yeah. Oh, okay. That, that can definitely do it. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. But no, I mean, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick will get his starts, but you know, in Miami, where obviously they are rebuilding, right? They're trying to to set something up for years to come. Yeah, I can see a situation where Dwayne Haskins no, midway dude. through the year. No hey, let's, let's throw him in there and see what that's he can that, do. that's another team that that needs a quarterback. Uh, Drew Locke. You know, I felt like a year ago, Drew Locke was getting a lot more buzz. I mean, now it's it started to pick up a little bit, but I felt like coming into last college football season, everybody was talking about Drew Locke as potentially being maybe the top quarterback off the board. Kyler Murray goes berserk, wins a Heisman Trophy. Now he's the top of the draft. Um, I feel like Drew Locke may be a little bit underrated. He's one of those guys who maybe is never a superstar, but somehow hangs around this league for years because he's just good enough. Um but I don't know what that does in terms of his draft position, in terms of his draft stock, or what it does, you know, in terms of him getting on the field this year. Yeah, DJ's got him falling all the way to the Packers. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, that's the thing I've I've come back to is like, why, you know, like, what about Daniel, the Patriots? Daniel Jones, I can understand going to the first round, but like Locke being at the draft too. I mean, eh. <laughs> but you know, dude, like these NFL teams, do you know how many? And and you know, I am not a scout. I I, I don't tell people that I'm a scout. But, like, when, you know, teams draft freaking Christian Ponder in the first round, like, I'm smart enough to know that's not going to work. When the Bengals drafted Achilles Smith, I'm like, that's not going to work. I, I, you know, like Kyle Bowler, it just wasn't going to work. Like, you just, some of these quarterbacks, teams will reach for them in the first round. And so that's why I believe Locke is a, maybe not a lock to go in the first round, but he's got a, a pretty damn good shot. Yeah. Yeah, teams reach for quarterbacks. All man. the time. It's just so funny. all it's, the time. It's so funny that we were in December and January. Like a lot of the really sharp people who have been following the draft and following these 
prospects for, for a lot longer than we have all said this is a weak quarterback class and now we're a week away you from know the what? draft and I we're was, all sitting here like oh my god Drew Locke is a first round pick this year. I was like, just you know it's funny I was just going to say that because I feel like we do this every year this? every yeah. year this happens but I think part of it is because one it's these six weeks between the combine and the draft. Yeah. All we have time to do is mm-hmm. talk and study and break down every si- And so what happens is you get a lot of people, uh, especially, you know, especially now, I think, with, with social media and Twitter where somebody puts out some clips, you know, a thread of clips of a certain guy, and you start to talk yourself into believing maybe this guy is better than we thought he was when, look, we haven't played a college football game since January. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I, you know, we do this every year, and it's happening again. I forgot to mention another one. EJ Manuel. Yeah. Oh, that was... Well, T- NFL teams go gaga over these quarterbacks, and they draft them too high, and a lot of times it doesn't work out. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see. So Daniel Jones. Um, and this is a guy that nobody's really talking about, you know, until maybe a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, I guess. Uh, He's another one of those guys that I think we have talked ourselves into thinking this is a first round guy. Um, I don't know. I I really don't know what to say about Daniel other than it looks like the Giants may be interested. I don't know. My thing on Daniel Jones is it's kind of, it's been kind of hard from, from my perspective to really get a read on who he is because his supporting cast at Duke was egregiously bad right egregiously bad i mean they dropped nearly 10 percent of his passes last year that's i mean that's mind-boggling bad Mm -hmm. um yeah i I mean again so these guys are they're gonna have draft capital i mean they're they're gonna get a chance Locke and jones are gonna get overdrafted and they're gonna have a chance to start very early on and but for fantasy for us like so is daniel jones because i i you know your description which is accurate about duke and and their receiver struggling is this is this a redo of of Josh Allen? I mean, is this that we're talking about? Like, is this because that was you know for everybody who said that you know Josh Allen struggled with accuracy, there were people who defended him saying, well, his wide receivers yeah. weren't very good. The biggest difference, obviously, is Josh Allen coming out. Even I didn't know he was that good of a scrambler. I didn't think he'd you know. I don't think anybody knew. I don't, I don't think anybody knew he was as good as he was. But he's far far more mobile than than Jones, and mm-hmm. I mean he's arguably a very explosive runner um uh, josh allen is daniel yeah. jones is not yeah uh, so i mean it's just a different it's a different type of prospect but yeah the the factors of just supporting cast are, are tough um i don't know man there, there's just so many teams in that like 10 to or even the giants frankly the giants with the two first round picks i mean there's just three four teams the dolphins that they're just wild cards and i have no idea if they're willing to overspend for a quarterback yeah, we'll we'll find out about a week from now. Uh, looking over to the tight ends real quick, there's there's really only three that are worth talking about. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, Irv Smith, Noah Fant. Fant is the guy that I have sort of been in love with. Uh, I know a lot of people love Hawkinson. Understandably, he's an outstanding blocker as well. Uh, I just I look at Noah Fant and I see I see Evan Ingram. I see you know just kind of that that new breed of tight end that is sort of you know. You're a, a wide receiver in a slightly bigger body and just kind of cause matchup problems. And, and he's the guy that I would love. I would love to see him, you know, in a place like Green Bay or somewhere like that. Because I think he's one of those rare guys uh, that we're seeing a little bit more and more that could maybe make a dent as a rookie at the tight end spot. Just because they're only asking him to run routes. He's not even asked to be a blocker. So he's the guy that I've kind of he's he's the guy that I've zeroed in on. A lot. I think Hawkinson's going to end up being the first tight end drafted. Agreed. Uh, he, he's got way better hands um, per pro football focus. He dropped just one of 51 catchable targets uh, at Iowa and, and fans 
his downfall has been dropped passes. He dropped 11 passes on 80 catchable balls since 2017. So um, you're going to see two Iowa tight ends go in the first round, and that'll be the first time that ever happens. Uh, that the same school is going to have two tight ends go in the first That's round. That's wild. And um, both of them, like, I mean, Oakland. I mean, if you go Fant to Oakland, I don't think Hawkins is going to last that long. But Fant to the, to the Raiders, who have a need at, at tight end because uh, Jared Cook is now with the New Orleans. Because everyone's fantasy hero, Jared Cook, is going <laughs> I know, on. There. I know, right? And Jared Cook's gone like, from a zero to a hero in one year. Yeah. Hawkinson could like end up with, you know, potentially Buffalo, maybe yeah. Jacksonville. He's going to get drafted in the top 15, whereas I think Fant's going to fall uh, to the second half of the first round. Yeah, so that's one, uh, again, the, the tight ends. We know that, you know, it's not. We could. We, we could be seeing the beginning of the rebirth of the tight end position. Yeah. I think so. One, one name real quick before we move on to GOT is I want to mention Jay Sternberger. Uh, yeah. Among tight yep. ends. Yep. He, he's my tight end four. Uh, led Texas A&M last year in receiving yards with 832. Caught 10 touchdowns. Averaged over 17 yards per reception. After he transferred from Kansas, took a year off. Um, didn't Basically didn't play at Kansas. Played one year at Texas A&M and shredded. Um, he's a tight end. I'm tabbing in a lot of my dynasty leagues and one I'm very interested to see where he goes hopefully in that second third round range right and we can maybe even plug him in as a back in like week 14 week 15 he kind of comes around and if he produces a rookie too when we're all digging on the waiver wire trying to find some kind and of help Ian Thomas <laughs> boy <laughs> trying to boy, find some Ian sort of Thomas help on there. the waiver wire so uh by the way this is a good time to remind you that we will have two podcasts next week we will do one a day early on Tuesday to kind of give you a, a little chance to digest it before the draft starts on Thursday and then we will come back on Friday and record a second one which will uh, sort of recap the first day which as Fabs mentioned may not be a whole lot for us to talk about if if it ends up hey, being as defensive heavy as we think, if we get Rashad Penny, a Rashad Penny style pick again, it's true. And then right. Back into the first round, mm-hmm. then we'll definitely have something to talk. That about. is true. So, but uh, anyway, get yourself ready. We will have a pair of pods next week, Tuesday and Friday, as uh, we get ready uh, for the start of the draft and uh, get ready to talk about the first day of the draft. Um, it can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late, to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you can feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the track. Well, don't. Ever. Trains are going a lot faster than you expect them to be, and they can't stop. So even if the engineer hits the brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. By that time, what used to be your car is just a crushed hunk of metal, and what used to be you... Well, don't want to think about that. So the point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop even if it sees you. The result is disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you just need to remember one thing. Stop, because trains can't. All right, mentioned at the top of the show, we are a Game of Thrones stand podcast. You've probably known that if you've been listening the last few weeks. Uh, so this is our moment to talk about it. So if you have not listened, if you have not watched it, rather, uh, you can turn this off because... The hell are you waiting for? Well, yeah, what are you waiting for? But uh, there will be spoilers, just letting you know that. And uh, if you're not into Game of Thrones, well, you know, thanks for coming. We'll talk to you next week. Um, Winterfell. I know that uh, I know a lot of folks, uh, Eddie, I saw your your social media. I know, Fabs, you mentioned it. And a lot of folks didn't love this episode. Uh, it was... It's fine. 
It was. I mean, it was. I watched it three times. <laughs> the, the one thing I didn't like was that it was like only what fifty or fifty-five. It was minutes like an hour. Long. It was fifty-four I, minutes. The next episode, this upcoming Sunday, is fifty-eight, and then the rest are all over an hour. Like I get, I get that you know you've got to sort of show all of the people who haven't seen each other for so long reunite or never met or never met right correct that was what was cool to me is that you had people who kind of only knew of each other through legend and mm-hmm. story yep. kind of like you know like the Daenerys Sansa you know like real housewives of Westeros kind of moment <laughs> there like I thought that was kind of fun you know the, uh, the, so the one like one thing I didn't like about the episode was like Oh, they're flying dragons. They look how cute they are. They're in a relationship, you know. Yeah, they're the whole dragons. Uh, number one, the Aladdin, the, the whole the, new world the, thing. The way whatever. that those dragons drop and bank, both of them are falling off. Don't get me that. <laughs> Jon Snow's never ridden a dragon before. That sucker goes down like how fast, and he's not falling off that thing. Come on. They and had- then the dragon looking at Jon Snow while he's got one eye open because he's kissing their mom. And the dragon, I, I feel like, you know, what's he thinking? You know, you're kissing your aunt, dude. Yeah. The, <laughs> you know? The, the scene was poorly done, but I think they, it was had, weird. they had to show Jon riding the dragon because, like what you just said, if he hops on a dragon in a later episode, people are going to think, like, oh, No, no, wait, no, I get it, but I feel like there could, I don't know. But also because they have to show that he's uh, Targaryen. That's the yeah. only people that can ride a dragon are Targaryen, so they have to show him on it mm-hmm. to, to, to be that. But right, right, Even right, they, right. five minutes later, they explained his lineage anyway, but, yeah, yeah, that was a, that, that to me kind of, bombed that scene yeah it was like you know it i will say this it wasn't as bad as the meadow frolic in episode two uh you know attack of the clones oh oh if, if we want to do like but I, I mean that was i always oh, i, I, was I awful. legitimately forget about attack of the clones yeah it's there for good reason yeah um Ugh, but it's terrible you know and of course i think it all it all kind of it all boils to the very end scene with uh jamie and Bran. the jamie and brand stare down which was amazing because i honestly had forgotten that they haven't interacted since the very first episode right. of the show, <laughs> you know. So that was yep. that was kind of a fun reminder. Um, I just want to go around the point. Does everybody? Anybody have like a favorite, particularly favorite quote or a moment from the first episode? Well, the best quote was, of course, "What do dragons eat? Anything they, they want. want. Anything they want." That was kind of funny. That had that. Uh, that was an LOL for me. Ed Art. The the moments that I took away the biggest uh, plot points, I guess, would be one. With Cersei, like, is she pregnant or yeah. is she faking it? Uh, I'd say two would be Arya's super weapon to see what, yeah, what that, is that potentially what is. It is. It's some kind of like dragon, mm-hmm. uh, dragon glass, like harpoon, like shooting spear thing uh, that could play a, a major role later on. And I guess the third point. Um, they kind of started a little bit with like Sam, how he was talking to John about, you know, is, is she going to give up, uh, is Danny going to give up the throne? And then Ari says like, you know, family first, they're, they're setting up and the ultimate, like, you know, John versus Daenerys battle that will eventually happen. And I guess episodes four to six, I think that's, it's, it's cool. They already started then mm-hmm. sprinkling that in, right. You know, they just get to Winterfell, like they're, oh, they're going to, we have a battle coming, but it's like, they're it's almost seeing past the battle versus the white walkers. Like, Oh, the more important battle is coming up next. And I think it's cool. They started that. So those are the three positive takeaway from that episode. So, so uh, as the game of Thrones expert here, so, you know, Sam goes and tells John mm-hmm. about his lineage and that he is the true heir to the seven kingdoms. Sure. Do you think John's figured out that um, I, the, 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 I, I, put, I, I was, put two I was two together I, about I was, who is, uh, I about- was hooking up with my aunt. I don't know if he's put that together. Quite Do you think he's put that together? And if he has, 
That's a really awkward conversation. The so, next time he sees Daenerys, I think we'll probably get something of that in episode two. I think next this they upcoming Sunday they're, they're going to address. <laughs> like, there will be some kind of moment. Yeah. I mean, hey man, Luke and Leia made out. Whatever, man. It, it that happened. wasn't making out. That was just a kiss. It happened. Leia was no. trying to make Han jealous. That's all. It happens. That's all. I mean, again, not to be gross too, but like the Targaryens keep it in the bloodline. Yeah, and the, Lannister, <laughs> the Lannisters have in recent time during this. This. So I guess, like this. you know, if, if wait, if aunt, nephew's not. As bad as brother and sister, right? Yeah. If anything, it'll be accepted, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. My actually, that was my biggest takeaway too. Your your first one about Cersei is she's so vindictive and uh, cruel. Mm-hmm. Could she be lying about even being pregnant? Is she actually pregnant with Jamie's child? Right. I mean, oh no. See, what I I honestly believe she is pregnant. And she is setting up Euron, who yes. she, yes. she yes. slept with. Yeah. Right. He makes the comment of, I want to put a prince in your belly. And she kind of just looks and, yeah. like, so she I'm waiting. I'm, I'm expecting she will hold this child over his head. Uh, for some, you know, whatever purpose. I understand that a lot of people were frustrated that they kind of just caught up a bunch of characters and there wasn't... The, the only real thing that I, it kind of frustrated me with the episode is there's just... There's no... We waited a year and a half for basically, like, just a one-hour-long catch-up episode that's of like, stuff we already knew. I agree. And that's what that's what I told you, Marcus, yeah. too. I said the one thing I'm really afraid of is, like, the the like the like laying the foundation first episode. You I, said they'll hit the ground running. And I and I, you're right. They have to kind of do it to show these unions that they've exactly. never right, had right, before. Right, right, right. Like, but the entire episode was just, like, people, like, either people hugging like, or people giving, like, funny quips like, back and forth. Like and the, I'm like, like, oh. the, like, Danny and Sam meeting for the first time and Danny being like, yeah, I killed your brother. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> that, that was a pretty badass scene. And, and that was one one that right. needed to happen, but mm-hmm. like the little, the little like kind of wasted moments between Tyrion and yeah, like, there were there were Paris. definitely wasted scenes, but there there are even like that scene though that has a part to it that yes. could play something later on, like but, because Jorah's there, he asks about the sword, like Sam's gonna end up giving him Heartsbane, which is a Valerian steel sword, like Jorah will probably use that versus the White Walkers, like there are little context ult- clues in each one. Ultimately, I think we'll look back like in a couple years when we're. We're probably rewatching this again. We'll look, look back. It's fond- fine. Yeah, we'll look back fondly on this first episode. <laughs> sure. and be like, yeah, it's kind of actually nice to have all this yeah. catch up and all these right. storylines catch up. I mean, I just I looked at it as we know what's been going on with all these characters, but yeah, these don't. characters don't they know what's know. been going on with right. each other. Yeah. yeah, and speaking of Tyrion too, I mean, uh, the, one of one of Sansa's quotes was that you know I used to believe that you were you know the cleverest, cleverest man, man alive. Yeah, that was alive. It, can he be that dumb? To think that Cersei's going to bring... I, I don't know I, if he's that dumb. I think he's The just Lannister desperate. army to win... I mean... I think he's I, just desperate. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he's half desperate, half like, well, it is my sister. Like, still but part of it is like, oh, she might do this right because, like, she saw, she yeah. saw like, one of the, the, the undead, like, running at her. Like, she has to think, oh, this is way worse than what I want to do, but Cersei if, does not care. If you ever notice, Tyrion tries to be a pessimist deep down, but at heart, I think he's yeah. really an optimist. Right. And then mm-hmm. we're talking to Sansa, who's he was she was trained by Littlefinger, Cersei, and and uh, 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 Ramsay. So she's yep. like literally are like three worst characters that she was like she's molded into like this hardened like you know super what, smart person. If Game of Thrones were like fantasy rankings, Sansa's moving up. Man. I think so too. She's moving up, dude. Yep. Yeah. I, she's my pick to be not honestly on the throne because I'm not sure if there's going to be a throne, but she right. is my pick to be that, the yeah. leader at the end of it. But that's a great point too. Like the the characters that she's been in relationships with mm-hmm. have all been horrific people she's had some rough luck with yeah. marriage outside of being married to Tyrion, which was you know yeah, not that was really forced. so much of a one, marriage yeah. i mean you got joffrey who is a little you know yeah, bastard sure. and then you've got 
I, who, Bolton was worse. Yeah, Ramsey, yeah, definitely worse. Ramsey. You know, and then Littlefinger, Littlefinger you know, you know, played so, a part in killing her father, and then you have yeah. Cersei, who's like literally the worst character in the whole mm-hmm. entire, yeah, even worse than the Night King. She's had some rough marriages there. Her story arc's great. I think it's the, probably my second favorite behind Jamie's. Well, uh, she I has, think Jamie's is the best. She's the one who's become less they're most disillusioned i guess like she very much i think when the show started she wanted to be a princess she wanted to be a queen she wanted all the fancy things um and life has kicked her in the stomach Uh, repeatedly (laughs) yeah i mean yeah to keep advancing it too like there's gonna be another there's still one more big meetup they're gonna have in episode two which is uh uh, daenerys seeing jamie for the first time who kind of showed up like in half disguise like with the hood and like darker hair and the king uh but we'll have to go through the king's yeah so she's she's gonna you know rip him a new one and he's gonna be like you know i guess what's done is done but i'm here to help you now Mm -hmm. that's gonna be a really interesting scene i think because i i do believe that jamie is fully good now and wants to do the right thing uh, he's also my pick to kill the night. Cersei. King. What about Cersei? Don't you think he's going to kill her? I don't think he's going to get the chance. No, no I don't, I don't think, he think he'll get the chance either. I think it's going to be Arya wearing his face, mm, and okay. she's, she's going to get the ultimate kill. Because I think that's. I don't see Arya playing a huge deal in like the ultimate battle, the, the major war. Right? I think she's just more of like an assassin, like a like a stealth kind of killer, <laughs> and she'll find a way to get close enough to Cersei without the mountain, you know, being around, and she'll do the deed. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that Jamie ultimately will probably perish before he gets the chance to get back to King's Landing and see Cersei. Also, because someone's got to eventually avenge Ned Stark's death. Right. Someone's got to avenge that's, Ned. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it happens. Yeah. And uh, real quick before we go. Yeah. Star Wars trailer. It was great. It was I fantastic. Very, yeah. very good. Excited. Very, yeah. very good. Very excited. Palpatine. Yeah, very he's excited. back. Yeah. He's Lando, back. Lando's back wearing the same outfit that he was wearing, you know, 30 years <laughs> ago. Well, you know, do they, do they have tailors in space? Because they had to take that one out a little bit. Right? I mean, you know, right, exactly. Like, you know, he's got like, he's got old man fat and he's still wearing the same <laughs> outfit, you know, but uh, it was good to see Lando come back. Yeah, it was. And I, yeah, I was. saw Shazam recently. I recommend that. I know we do a little bit of movie talk. Yeah. Go see Shazam. If yeah, you I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I'm have to go. I saw Pet Cemetery. I, I, was like, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't have any expectations going in. I read the, uh, when I first saw the trailer, that is, I saw the reviews and I was like, this is incredible high for this movie that I did yeah. not think twice mm-hmm. about and I saw it and I was like arguably the most enjoyable superhero movie I've ever seen yeah so that mi- ever seen yeah really, really, really well, ever like seen a, so it's th- like a good mix of kind of like Stranger Things in the way where the the, the kids are leading the, the cast they're really really funny um, but the guy Zachary Levi, I think his name is, who plays yes. him, like he's awesome in it. And the story has like a good twist, like a mini twist at the end, a positive twist mm-hmm. that I did not see coming, and I thought was awesome. And there, it leads nicely into the next one. Um, I think The Rock's going to be in the next one too because he was an executive producer right. of of this one. Because uh, I think yeah, Black Adam is the next exactly, one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, they tie together like it was. It was really, really good. The storyline's great. I I loved it. Really mm-hmm. did love it. All right, maybe I'll cool. take Matthew to that. Sounds pretty good. All right, that's it. We are done. Appreciate you, as always, listening. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, never make the same mistake twice. Make it five or six times, just to be sure. We'll see you on Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.